So um, I think a lot of you know me, um, but for those who don't, I'm Gary Klaffenstein. I'm the CEO of a private asset management company here in Chicago. Um, you may know my wife Candace comes to church with me. We've been married for 36 years. She's an artist. Um, we have two children, Lane, who's an analyst, also here comes to Anthem, so you may know her. Um, and then we have a son, Joel, and a daughter-in-law, Noemi. Uh, they live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Um, so that's our family, and um, it's great to be here. So good morning. Um, I want to start off by sharing a, telling a story. Um, a while back, I was having a uh, lunch meeting, a business lunch meeting with a guy, and near the end of the, of the time that we were having lunch, um, he says, can I ask you a question? And I'm like, sure. And he said, you're a Christian, right? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, do you believe that the only way I can get to heaven is by being a Christian? And I said to him, well, you know, I'll answer that in a minute, but let me ask you a question first. And he said, okay. And I said, I noticed when we came in, you were limping. What's wrong? And he's like, well, my leg hurt. I, I think it was a sports injury or something like that. And um, why? And I said, because I'd like to pray for your leg. And he's like, I don't believe in that stuff. And I'm like, that's okay. I do. And you know what? Sometimes when I pray for something, it gets better faster than it normally would. So no downside. Can I pray for your leg? And he's like, okay. So sitting across the table, really quick prayer. Jesus, I know you love this man. Um, I know that there's no sore legs in heaven, so that's not okay here either. And so I just speak to your leg in Jesus' name, be healed. And he's like, oh, thanks. And I said, stand up, check it out. So the restaurant, he stands up, and his eyes get big like saucers. And he's like, wow, it feels completely better. And he sits down. And I said, you know, I want to answer your question now, or at least address your question now. The good news is I have no idea how you're going to get to heaven and what the rule is. I'm not the person who decides that. So that's one thing. But number two, the person who is... I believe his name is Jesus, and he just healed your knee. And you can have a conversation with him over time and figure it out yourself in conversation with him. And the guy, obviously, at that time was not a believer. He is today through his journey, partially through that. But my point is this. Why do I tell this story? Many other guys, this is awesome, right? Um, but the reason I tell this story is this, is that we often talk about there not being a difference between church and work or between ministry and work and things like that, um, between the sacred and the secular. But do our lives actually demonstrate that, right? Do, does that actually demonstrate in our lives? And it's not, it would not be strange if that happened here. But that's kind of a little bit out of the box sometimes when that happens at a business lunch, right? I've been a Christian for 41 years. Um, and about eight or nine years ago, I got tired of living a life of churches here and things happen here, but they don't happen out there. Um, I got tired of not having people drawn to God just by being around me. Um, in Acts 4.13, Peter and John walking down the road and these other people are looking at them, and these guys are like uneducated, you know, whatever, fishermen or something, but there's something different about them, and it's because they were with Jesus. And I wanted people to see that in me, um, to be drawn to the goodness of God, be drawn to Jesus because of what I do. And I, was, I have a fire that burns inside me to be so filled up with God's presence all the time that people are drawn to me and drawn to the goodness of heaven and that supernatural, amazing things are commonplace. And why do I say that? Because when I read the Gospels, when I read the book of Acts, that's what I see. And I don't think the world's changed. 
And I've got a fire in me to be so full of Holy Spirit, to be so full of Jesus, to be so full of God's love that people say, I want some of that and come, and come get it. Fortunately, that's actually been my experience. Um, and I won't go into too many stories, but I'll, I'll maybe tell one or two. But for, for me, the key to get to that place, to make that transition between being a principle-based, God-following, Bible-believing, church-going, ministry-involved Christian to someone who actually sees people drawn to Jesus because of seeing things happen around that could only happen through God really comes from um, something I want to share with you, but that I went through a few years ago, and that's this. Um, and I'm going to start with, with, with this piece of it. It comes, um, I talked here before, you've heard me say this before, but it is that there's a verse in uh, Matthew 4:17 where Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I looked at that, and as you think about it, the word repent means change the way you think about things. You change your direction. So you're going this way, turn around and go this way. You're thinking one way, think about it some other way. And the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? It means it's like right here, like my glasses. It's here. You can touch it. You can feel it. So what would it look like if we changed the way we thought about things because Jesus was here and he was here now? Um, and what would that look like? Well, we would start not just believing in Jesus for salvation and for who he is, we would actually start believing the same way that Jesus believed. And the transformation in my life in terms of what I saw happening was when I changed my mind to start believing that the same way that I believed that Jesus believed. And I want to talk about that a little bit. I'm going to talk about this in two ways, uh, or two things. One is why are we at work? And the second thing is how does that change what we do? And as you can see, they just put some scripture references behind me. I think there's about 10 of them. Um, some of them are almost entire chapters, and so I'm not going to read any of them. Um, but, but what I am going to do is just I'll highlight them like I just did on the, out of Acts. So if anybody's interested in looking at these later, there's a little cap next to it that says what it's about. So Acts 4.13, obvious about being with Jesus. You can take a picture of that. You can study it later. I'm going to quote a lot of scripture, but I'm not going to specifically read the scripture. So two things. Why are we at work? And secondly, how does that change what we do? So why are we at work? Um, a lot of times I think you think about it as like, hey, I'm there to earn a paycheck, and I dread what I do. Or maybe I really like what I do, and I get a lot of fulfillment out of it. And maybe it's somewhere in between. And maybe it kind of depends on which day um, you're at in terms of where you are on that. But what if there's actually a different way? What if there was actually something that maybe was better? And I'd like you to start off by considering a few things. Um, one is, I think you all know this, we're created in the image of God, um, right? And this hit me a while back. I was opening the Bible, reading it. Don't know why, but I went to Genesis 1.1, the very first verse of the Bible. Opened it up and started reading it. Probably a lot of you know what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it just hit me. What's God doing? The very first, the seminal word, the first thing he can say, anything he wants when he writes his Holy Scripture. And what does he say? I'm a worker. I'm a creator. I'm a maker. If we're creating God's image. We're made to work. We're made to create. We're made to be a maker of things. That follows in what's God's image. So if that's the case, we're a worker from the start. So... A lot of people say work's not a second-class thing. It's not. It's actually the first-class thing. It's what God does. It's our image of God is in that place. So that's big picture about us. We're made in his image. The individual picture is we're all created in a specific way. Each one of us is very different. You're created for a purpose, with purpose. Um, God intentionally has, has put all this stuff, you, together. And you're created. We're all created to go out and expand the kingdom of God on earth, right? What does the kingdom of God look like? Romans 4, 17. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. So we're created to do stuff, created to make things. We're specifically created to go out there and bring that kingdom out of there. And some of us are employed by the church. 
or a ministry organization. Some of us, most of us are not. Most of us are out there doing something else. We're at work at Apple or Walgreens or Starbucks or you know, wherever you happen to be, um, or you're at home, or you're an artist, or you're a teacher, you know, you're, you're doing these things. Most of us are actually out there doing something else. And when I talk about work today, I'm talking about all of that not just somebody that's working in a corporate job or something, but if you're staying home and raising your kids, that's work, like Fidel said last week. And if you're a student, that's work. It's what you're doing. We're all out there doing something, and we're there to take the kingdom of God forward. So how, does that, how would that apply to my idea to start with if I want to change the way I think to think like Jesus thinks? So um, it's this, is that we think about going to work and maybe say, um, you know, God, come with me to work or whatever. But the crazy thing is, He's already there. And so the change the way we think is rather than I've got to bring God to my work environment, is he's already there. We just get to like show up and do what he's doing, which I'll talk about in a minute. There's some great scriptures around this. I'll just touch on a few really quickly. We talked about Daniel last week. I think Sheetal mentioned this as well. One of the reasons I'm not reading the scriptures is this reference is like 32 verses. Um, but essentially, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Daniel's somewhere else. God is working in Nebuchadnezzar by giving him a dream. Daniel shows up and does what God's already doing, right? Um, Joseph and Pharaoh, same deal. Pharaoh has a dream. Joseph comes in. This is in Genesis 41. Um, and God's working. Joseph shows up, partners with God. Wow, what happens? A country gets saved. A people get saved. It's amazing. Best example in the world of this one in the entire Bible is who? So when you get asked a question you don't know the answer in church, it's always Jesus, right? So, so, so the best example I can find is Jesus, right? What did he say in John 5, 19? I only, do, I only do what I see the Father doing. That's incredible. Jesus wasn't doing anything on his own. God was already working. Jesus just showed up. So if you want to be like Jesus at work, figure out what's, what God's doing already and just show up. You don't have to say, hey, God, I've got this really tough thing. Come solve this. I've got a tough boss. I've got a hard coworker. Come help me with this. Give me wisdom. Those are okay prayers. Nothing wrong with that. But my point is this. God's there doing something. Figure out what it is and just go do it with him. Life becomes really super easy when you do that. Um, so resetting the context here, I just said this. Our job is not what we think it is. And by the way, our job is not evangelism. Our job is not sharing the gospel. Our job is not a lot of things that we tend to put on ourselves. Our job is just simply showing up and doing what God's already doing. He may be in the process of saving somebody, we get to participate in that. He may be in the process of healing somebody, and we get to participate in that. He may be in the process of restoring broken relationships, and we get to be in the process of that. And I see this happen literally every week, all the time at work. People saved, healed, delivered, set free, um, families restored, wisdom come down. It's crazy if you just consider like, hey, God's doing this, I can jump in and do it with him. It's fun. So, almost sounds biblical, um, <laughs> just saying. So how does this change what we do? And I want to talk about a couple things really quickly. Um, there's common ways that we think about connecting work and God. Um, and, sorry about that. Um, common ways that we think about connecting work and God. Um, but it kind of like very rarely makes the workplace look like heaven. The things that we typically think about and typically do actually don't that frequently change the culture and make it look like something that looks like what we should be doing, which is expanding righteousness, peace, and joy in the kingdom of God here. 
Um, and one of them, I mentioned this earlier sort of as a joke just to get people thinking and paying attention, is we think it's like all about evangelism, right? And so you go to work, um, you're like, oh, I gotta figure out how to share the gospel with this guy or this girl, and then you go do that. And it kind of doesn't go well, it's difficult. Um, and people don't want to hang out with you. So that often happens, right? Right? And by the way, I've done all these things, and this is kind of my, my experience. Or you try to take your, take your Christian beliefs to work. This is what's true. This is what's right. This is what's moral. This is what's ethical. And explain that to people and, like, be in their face about that. And it kind of creates disagreement. Um, people will fight back on things that they don't agree with you on. That typically doesn't work. The other thing we can do is find other Christians and, like, hey... Let's get together, we're a bunch of Christians in the workplace, and let's all get together and study the Bible. Um, again, this is me. I used to run a Wednesday morning Bible, or Wednesday noontime Bible study for a bunch of other C-suite guys, CEOs, CFOs, um, in downtown Chicago, come to my office, and, and, and we did this. But what happened was, we got our own clique there, and it was us versus them. And it was a bit of a victim mentality about, oh, all those bad people, and look at us trying to figure this out and get all attacked by all these people and stuff like that. And what happened? We had absolutely no influence on the people around us. Absolutely none. We were completely disengaged. Um, or keep your head down, work hard, live an ethical life, and do good things. And then the outcome of that is you're just kind of ineffective um, with actually bringing the kingdom. So that kind of approach, and again, I've done all these things, not pointing the finger at anybody but myself, but maybe you've tried some of those. That, that results in a framework. And the framework is this, is that work's a separate world, and this hopefully will start resonating a little bit with like, yeah, that's kind of what we experience a lot of times. Work's a separate world, but we should still act in an ethical way um, and come to church on Sunday or go to a connect group and get filled up. That's one way that, that it can result in that. We kind of slowly lose our effectiveness um, at, the, at the job or at home or at school, wherever you are, um, because people don't see something different in us um, they just don't see something that they want to experience. They see something very different than they want to experience. We don't actually see the kingdom of God moving forward in our workplace um, at all. And again, that used to be me, um, and it's not anymore. But um, maybe some of that resonates with you a little bit too. It's like that's the framework that I live under. I don't do it intentionally, but that's what things look like. So the answer, my question now is, is there um, a simple way to change this? And the answer is yes resoundingly yes. Is there a way to see what God is already doing in your workplace, which is what I start where I started this? And then the answer is resoundingly yes. And I could go through about 10 things and walk you through some steps. There's, I'm not going to do that today. It's you know, something I could do another time. But I'm going to start with step one. It's a place to start, and it does two things. It gets you engaged at work with other people. You can do this on Zoom and email and stuff, too. You don't have to be physically in a location. It gets you engaged, and simultaneously, you get to see what God's doing. So I'm going to walk you through something to do that really quickly, and then I'll, I'll, I'll close it off. And that is this. How many of you know that you can hear from God? We actually can hear from God. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice. Right? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So if you believe what Jesus says, and you believe what Jesus thinks, and you think about things the same way that Jesus thinks about things, it means you can hear his voice. And what I mean by hearing his voice is not necessarily an audible voice right? Maybe. But the way I'll define voice here is that how do you know when a thought that pops into your head actually comes from Jesus or from God or from Holy Spirit, and how do you know when it's your own head? And we can all hear that and know when those thoughts that are coming in are actually from God. And if you don't, if you've never done this before or you don't understand how to do it and you'd like to do it, I'll be right over here after the service and come up and I'll show you how to do it. 
because um, we can hear from God and it's not hard. And I'll be happy to show you what to do and how to do it. So we sometimes think that hearing from God is prophetic, right? It's like making some big statement of here's where the world's going to, here's what the call in your life is, or here's what the call in my life is. And that's awesome, and that happens really well, and there's a time and a place for that. And typically it's at church. You have some prophetic thing. We had this a few weeks ago here where, where people are speaking to their lives, and it's great. It's fantastic. It got, people hear from God and declare that, but it typically happens at church. There's another time when you're like, what do I do? Where do I go? What's, should I take a new job? Should I get married? Where do I go to school? Where do I put my kids at school? And you can hear from God around that, and that's really super important. Where does that happen? Typically, in your quiet time at home or with a circle of really trusted friends that can pray and listen for you, and you can chew on that kind of stuff, and it's a wonderful thing. But that's not, neither of those what I'm talking about here. What I want to talk about here is something excuse me, that's way more practical, and that's hearing God for yourself and hearing others in the day-to-day rhythm of life. It's the little things that are there. If we're in a wonderful relationship with God, we ought to be able to have conversations with him and hear what he says, like we do with anybody else that we're in a day-to-day rhythm of life with. It takes a little bit of practice, not a lot, but practice is key. It's like playing tennis. You want to get better at playing tennis? Practice. You want to get better at speaking a foreign language? Go practice, right? You want to get better at hearing God? Practice. How do you do it? Part three of this, it's like an inception thing, dream within a dream, is that this actually also is going to help you practice by doing that stuff, right? So um, we can hear God for ourselves, and I'm not going to go through that now, but it's really key. A lot of times that's real identity-related things. But what I talk about is hearing God for somebody else in the workplace or in life. And what it really is is calling out the treasure in people. Um, 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 14.3 says that when you have a word for somebody else, when you're hearing from God for somebody else, it's always encouraging. It's always uplifting. So if we do that, and you call out the treasure for somebody in your workplace, and you do that regularly, you're going to begin to see them in a different light. You're going to bring them life. You're going to bring them into a place of thriving. And you're going to get to see what God is actually doing at your workplace, or in school, or in your family, or wherever you happen to be. <laughs> I'll quit trying to fix this. Um, so the, the, the great thing is it's super easy to do. And, and here's what you do. It's a simple question. Is every one of you try this this week. This is your homework. Try this this afternoon at home or try it tomorrow morning on an email, a Zoom call, or a face-to-face meeting. Is ask God, what is it that you appreciate most about Daniel today? Somebody else would say, I work with Daniel. Ask God, what is it most appreciate? And whatever comes in, he's going to tell you that and then tell that person. Or you could ask the question, what is something unique that I've not noticed about Daniel this morning? Um, and he'll tell you something and then tell him. But here's the key. Don't make it weird. All right? All right. Because if I said, right, I'm at work, I'm at the office, and Daniel happens to work with me, and I'm like, hey, man, God just said this to me, and I wanted to tell you. And he's a non-Christian, let's say. That doesn't go over really well. But there's super easy ways to have that conversation. And it's like this. It's like, you know what? So let's say I ask God, and this is true for you, Daniel, um, is that God loves your courage. He finds you to be a person of courage. So that's what I just heard. God, what do you love about Daniel? It's courage. So if I'm having a non-weird business conversation with you, I just run into you. It's a, not a long, drawn-out thing. This could take a minute. I can say, hey, Daniel, you know what? <clears throat> I was thinking about this this morning, and I really admire your courage. And I probably haven't told you this before. But last week, when we had to make some tough decisions, you really stepped up and did the right thing. And I don't think we could have got to that decision if it wasn't for that. So just thanks for being courageous in what you do. Have a great day. You walk off. People love it. They don't think you're weird, and they get built up. What's God doing at work? He's building courage. He is taking this guy and going to do something special with him and work, and that's how you begin to see what God's doing at work. <coughs> the more you practice it, the better it gets. Um, 
I'm going to bring this into land here um, by telling a story. Um, and I do what I just did right there a lot, like every day and stuff. It's just that's part of my routine because the more you do it, the more you practice it, the better you get at it. Um, and I always get really good responses from people. I've never had somebody not like it. And I have people later come up to me and say things like, you know, you're this like high-powered CEO, but when I got to meet you, you're actually one of the nicest people I've ever met. I've had people come up to me and say, you know what? Sorry to say this, but I actually thought that all Christians were idiots. But I can like really relate to you, and I feel safe when I'm with you. Those are like actual encounters I've had with people. Um, and they're drawn to that. Anyway, so um, a lot of good stuff. Try it all the time. It's, it's a really, really good thing. Asking Jesus what he loves about people. So um, a while back, I was at a conference. Um, I was a speaker at a conference. And at the end of the day, you, know, you go through the, the keynote speeches, the breakout sessions, the whole thing. At the end of the day, there's a networking um, cocktail party at the end of the day. And I'm, and I'm there at this, at this party networking and things like that. And I did it multiple times at the party, but I'm just going to tell you one. Lady comes up, CEO of an asset management company, high-powered woman. And um, she was talking. We were just chatting about things. And she was talking about life and things like that. And I asked Jesus, what do you love most about her? And I sensed Jesus saying to me, that he loved the way she loved her two girls. Turns out, she's a single mom trying to balance work and life and is, does not think she's doing a very good job with it, just is struggling with that. And so I hear that God loves the way she loves her daughters. And I said to her, you know, I just get a really, really deep sense that you need to know right now how good of a job you're doing raising your two daughters. And it's okay. You're doing a great job. Just keep doing what you're doing. I just feel like I need to tell you that. And she's like, oh, wow. Tears up a little bit and says, thanks. I really appreciate that. Chat for a while. It moves along. Um, sorry. So I've stayed in contact with her off and on over the, since then. And she <clears throat> connected with me a couple of months ago and said, you know what? I don't think I've ever told you this, Gary, but... Um, that conversation we had changed my life. It changed my daughter's life. It changed my family's life. <clears throat> and we will never be the same. And all I did was ask God how much he loves her and what he loves most about her. That's all I did. Um, so it turns out I wasn't at that conference to boost my business, to make a great presentation, although those things probably happened. I was there because God was already working at that conference in this woman's life and a lot of other people's lives, and I just got to be part of that. <coughs> Excuse me. So I just got to be part of what God was doing. And you know what? You get to do it too. So I'm going to close and pray for you all. Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for every person here. Thank you that we don't have to figure stuff out. It's a really simple equation of asking and seeing what you're doing. And the simplest way to do that is just to bless people enormously by asking God what he loves about them and then telling it to them. We thank you that our workplace, our school, our home life is not about us bringing you in, but you're already there. And we can just step into that place with you. I bless everyone here for a fresh encounter with Jesus right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, just again, reminder, Gary is going to be here up on stage or up, up front here to, uh, at the end of the meeting to 
answer any questions. So if you know at Anthem, we don't like to do, just give you one preaching. We like to give you two, right? Yeah. So Colleen, come on up. She's an amazing woman. You, you, you get to see her on stage singing, but uh, God has just anointed her and blessed her with a voice of preaching. So, uh, Colleen, share the word. Thanks so much, Peck. Uh, yeah, my name's Colleen Jackson, and Gary, I just wanted to tell you that, as always, so inspiring to hear the ways that you partner with the Lord. Seriously, thank you. Okay, so as we have mentioned, we are in a series dedicated to giving us vision and also equipping us to walk with the Lord in powerful ways in our places of work. And especially that equipping part is really where my heart lies. I love, I really mean that, I love coming alongside people as they learn to walk in the fullness and freedom of what was won for them on the cross. And thankfully, my job allows me to do just that. So a little bit of background. I work as a mental health therapist at a Christian counseling center. I see individuals and couples, most of whom are dealing with things like anxiety and depression, trauma. I also do a fair bit of marriage counseling. And I want to acknowledge right off the bat that likely my job is very different from most of your jobs. But as I was preparing, I felt the Holy Spirit highlight three things that I do that I think are valuable to all of us, no matter what it is we actually do. So here's where we're going to go. First, the heart posture that we are called to as believers in the workplace. And then the next two points are actually two different exercises that I do with clients. Um, the first one is about identifying lies you may be believing and replacing those lies with God's truth. And the second one is about working through forgiveness. All right? So we're just going to jump right in. So what is the heart posture that we are called to? Another way to ask this question would simply be, Lord, how are you calling me to relate to the people that I work with? And this question is actually a really important part of my job. There's a ton of research that tells us that the quality of the relationship between a therapist and the client is one of the greatest indicators of healing and growth and change. Isn't that interesting? And psychologists have identified that one of the potent ingredients of a quality therapeutic relationship is something called unconditional positive regard. It's the idea that no matter who you are or what you're coming into therapy with, I, as your therapist, am going to choose to respect you, to honor you, and to love you. There's a Christian psychologist named David Myers who writes this about unconditional positive regard. This is an attitude of grace, an attitude that values us even knowing our failings. It is a profound relief to drop our pretenses, confess our worst feelings, and discover that we are still accepted. Mm. I really think that that hits on something that we are called to as Christians. 
The Bible talks about this kind of unconditional love in this way in 1 Corinthians 13. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. We are called to love our coworkers and our clients and our bosses and our subordinates unconditionally. So not because they have earned it, but because Jesus loves us even when we have not earned it. So what might this look like for you? How do you treat someone when they make a mistake at work or when you make a mistake at work? What about that person in the office who's just like really tough for you? Or the person who doesn't do their job well? Do you confront people in a way that is respectful and kind? Are you wanting the people around you to prosper and grow? Do you not judge someone in a way that you yourself would not want to be judged? I don't do this perfectly, but I have found that when I partner with God in truly loving the people I work with, they can tell. They can feel it. And it really is a way that I think God loves to partner with us and move powerfully in these types of relationships. Another really cool part of my job is I get to facilitate people hearing directly from God. When I have done this, I have seen people weep as they hear the voice of God, sometimes for the first time, saying, my child, I love you. I've seen people experience incredible freedom and healing when the Lord has called them to forgive that person that they never thought they could. I've seen people freed from anxiety and depression by receiving supernatural truths right into the core of who they are. And I have seen people repent and receive grace into the darkest places in their lives. I have a really great job. <laughs> um, so as I mentioned before, we're actually going to do these exercises all together with the goal of equipping you to hear God's voice and partner with him in forgiveness. So I just want to preface this by saying a couple things. Um, neither of these exercises are original. I think actually Gary and Candace, through their amazing lives and ministry, uh, passed them along to me many years ago. And then two, uh, Gary touched on this a little bit, but if this idea of hearing from God is new to you, no big deal. What I normally tell my clients is that as a Christian and, yeah, as a Christian, if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you and one of the things that the Spirit does is convict you of what is true and what is not true. But before we actually do these exercises, I want to give us just a little more context into this idea of identifying lies and truths. So, one of the most popular psychological treatment models is something called CBT, or Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And it's this idea that what we believe about ourselves and the world around us um, affects our thoughts, which trigger our emotions, which then influences our choices in behavior. So the idea would be, if you can change your beliefs, 
it would change your thoughts, which would trigger your emotions differently and give you the chance to make choices that are more in line with who you want to be. And that is where I think it is just so important and awesome to invite the Lord into this process because it's recognizing that I'm not just relying on my own mind or past experiences or limited understanding to be the standard of what is a lie or a truth, but I am asking the Lord of the universe with his limitless understanding to reveal his highest and deepest truths right into my soul. And the Bible actually talks about doing this in 2 Corinthians 10. The weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of the world. Instead, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We tear down arguments and every presumption set up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The Bible teaches us that as we take thought, every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, we are actually waging war against the strongholds in our lives. In this case, strongholds would be any idea or perception that contradicts God's truth. So this is a super powerful thing to engage in, and God wants us to do this kind of work. All right, we're going to get real practical. The classic example I give for this exercise is, say I'm facing a big presentation at work, but I carry the lie or the underlying belief that I am not good at presentations. Then every time I go to work on my presentation, I feel anxious. And because I hate feeling anxious, I avoid feeling that way by avoiding preparing for my presentation until the very last minute where I stay up all night and then I show up that morning and I'm tired and nervous and underprepared. And then my presentation like kind of only goes okay and it confirms the lie that I am not good at presentations. Yeah, all the procrastinators in the room are like, yeah, I really, I really hear that. <laughs> so what if instead, when you had been asked to give that presentation, or when I had been asked, I had said, ooh, I'm noticing that that brings up some anxiety for me. Lord, is there a lie that I'm believing? Ah, I reject the lie that I am not good at presentations, Holy Spirit. What is your truth? That I am capable, that I can do all things through him who give me strength, that it doesn't have to be perfect. I would calm down, my head would be clearer, and I would probably start working on my presentation. So we're going to do this massive group therapy session. <laughs> um, just as a reminder, no matter what you hear, as we would do with any prophecy or thing we are feeling from the Lord, after this exercise, I encourage you to take time to examine what you heard. One, does it line up with scripture? Two, you might make a plan to talk over what you heard with a trusted friend or, one, or your small group leader or one of the deacons or the elders. Okay, let's take a deep breath. Good job. And maybe think of, a, of an area in your, 
in your life where maybe you're struggling or maybe you, you just sort of sense, I'm not living into the fullness of what is, God is calling me to. And we're simply going to ask, God, is there a lie I'm believing about myself, a certain situation, about you, Lord, my marriage, my job? Okay, we're going to actually do this. God, is there a lie I'm believing about We're just going to kind of take the first thing that came to mind. And now the next part is that you're going to say to yourself, I reject the lie that, for example, I am not good enough, that it's never going to get better, that that person is against me. All right, let's go ahead. I reject the lie that, and then whatever you heard. And then, the best part, Holy Spirit, what truth would you give me to replace that lie? Go ahead. Okay. All right. There you go. So there's one exercise to kind of equip you in a practical way to hear God's voice. And honestly, as Gary was talking about, also to hear his voice for other people or lead other people through these types of exercises. One more exercise. And this is also a really, really powerful one. We don't have time to get into the theology, which is amazing, but I, I did want to mention, because it just comes up in my work so often, that it shocks me how much healing and life-giving change come into people, my clients' lives when we work through forgiveness. And I just really think that that points to the power of the cross. There is something supernatural and holy and otherworldly about undeserved forgiveness. It is not the way our current world works. It is pure grace. And when we choose to follow in Jesus' footsteps by forgiving people in our own lives, I guess it actually isn't that surprising that the effects are really radical because they were when Jesus died to forgive us. So, this exercise, similar to the first one. Let's take a deep breath, focus your heart and your mind on the Lord. You might not know if you have anyone to forgive. That's totally fine. It's pretty common that people will have someone kind of unexpected come to mind, maybe an old friend or a parent or maybe just someone that you like sense that you're holding something against. And we're going to ask the Lord, Lord, is there anyone who I need to forgive? Go ahead.
going to take that first person who came to mind, and then, Lord, what do I need to forgive them for? And then we're going to go through a simple prayer and kind of repeat after me in your mind. Whoever you heard, I forgive you for what came to mind. And I nail these offenses to the cross of Jesus. I forgive you not because you deserve it. but because Christ forgives me when I don't deserve it. Okay. This is really powerful stuff. This is life-changing stuff. I know because I went through these exercises and continue to do these exercises all the time. and It has brought amazing healing into my life. So my prayer today is that as we put these ideas and exercises into practice, we become more free and able to partner with God in powerful ways at work and, honestly, in any area of our lives. In a second, I'm going to hand it off to Peck, but if something was stirred in your heart today, we would love to be with you in that. You can come up for prayer, reach out to a friend or life group leader, or come find me after the service. Thanks.